How's everybody today? Good. Good, good. Man, I love, uh, you might know, I love playing drums. Um, I love worshiping. I was just talking to uh, Gary, and it's just great to be able to worship and also have fun. And I love that there's that aspect uh, that God allows us and gives us fun things to do and good things to do when we follow him. And I'm just so blessed to be part of that and get to do that uh, every week. And I was just thinking, I just want to say, we were just saying that song, rain came, wind blew, but my house was built on you. Man, that is so good. And Jesus says, he says right out, hard things are going to come. Life is full of up and downs. It's not going to be perfect. It's not always going to be easy. But if you build your house with Jesus, if you set your foundation, when the things that come do eventually come, you get blown around, you might get wet, you might get pushed around a little bit, but your feet are on good foundation. Thank God for that. I pray uh, uh, that for myself and my family. Uh, And my mom is here today who lives in Buffalo. She's coming here. So she came to... Um, and I'm probably going to take this opportunity, every opportunity I get, but she is the reason uh, I'm standing before you, and she modeled that for me and our difficult times as a family growing up. She modeled, it was worship uh, that she modeled for us in the difficult times, and so that in my life, I remembered that. God brought back that to my memory, so I encourage you parents, you, you don't know. You don't know. When you model Uh, following Jesus with your life. You don't know what that's going to do to your kid maybe 20 years down the line. So I encourage you parents, uh, model that, follow Jesus, let your kids see you following Jesus, teach them how you do it, teach them how to do it, uh, and they'll do it too. All right, we're talking James 4. We've been working our way through James. Uh, I get James 4. I'm excited to share this with you. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this already. Paul talks a lot about how uh, we come to be Christians through faith, and it's, we are saved by grace through faith. We just believe. Uh, I love uh, just watching the Bible. You know, we do these, like, um, there's nothing wrong with it, but we do, like, sinner's prayer, right? Uh, yeah, stand, repeat this, and, and now you're a Christian. But, like, in the Bible, Jesus was like, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm going this way. If you want to follow me, that's cool, right? And he just kind of, and, and, like, there was never this, like, is never, there is a moment that we choose to believe, but we have to choose to believe every day. And uh, so Paul talks a lot about being, become followers of Jesus through faith. Uh, and then James comes along, and James talks a lot about the things that should follow after that. And deeds should follow after that. And your behavior should follow after that. And your heart's desires should follow after that. Uh, the Christian life, uh, the older I get, I'm 41 now, the older I get, the more I realize, like, Oh, you never, like, get there. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I thought. Like, I never was like, oh, yeah, when I get to be 41. I don't know why my watch is going to tell me when I'm 41. Uh, but I was like, oh, when I get to there, I'll be, like, a developed Christian, and I'll have everything figured out, and everything will be easy. And I'm like, I'm 40 now. Like, I'm halfway. Why don't I have it all figured out? Like, why do I still have, like, uh, why do I just have fleshly desires? Why do I want to be like the world? Why do I love this? And why, I thought I would just be this perfect Christian by this time, and I'm not. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's, and then I look around me. I look at the people around me. I look at uh, my best friends, my pastors, my mentors, and I'm like, oh, like, the more I get to know them, like, you kind of work this thing all, all the way. To the end. And Paul even talks about it. The disciples talk about it. You work this thing out all the way to the end. 
And um, I like that, though. I like that. It, I, I, guess I'm, I guess if I could, if I were God, maybe I would do something different. But um, that's why I'm not God. He knows better. He walks us through the, these things, and he allows us to learn and keep learning, and we sort of work out our, fun, our, our salvation as we go. So James 4, um, James is uh, believed to be, this is the James is a brother of Jesus, and he basically was a pastor of this area. So he was a pastor over the area, and he'd been a pastor over this area for, for, for several decades. So he's talking to people he knows really, really well, all right? He's probably talked about these issues I'm getting, the, the way he's coming, he's bringing heat. Now, if you've read James 4, or you read it this week, we're going to read it together now. James is throwing fastballs. Like, he's not holding back at all. So my guess is that he may have brought these things to their attention before. Uh, but really, it's the condition of your heart. That's what James is talking about. What is in your heart? Is your heart soft towards the Lord? Is your heart hardened towards the Lord? When you hear the words of James, do you say, Yes, Lord, let it be. So let's go through this. I've got five points on James 4, and we're going to read through it. So you'll have to go to open up to James, or you can read it here. We're going to start with James 1 and 2, oh, the first half of 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Do they come from your de- don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. Lord, we just invite your presence. Lord, thank you for what you've done already. You've stirred hope in us already. That I believe you're doing healing and miracles in our midst already. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, I pray that as we go through the text that you would um, convict our hearts, that you would show us your grace, show us your mercy, that you would show us that you have good things for us, Lord, but we soften our hearts to you right now, Lord. We invite you, just invite him into yourself. Say, Lord, come, help me to be more like you. All right, number one, quarrels, what do I do with my water? You got me? Did I drop it? Thank you. I'm a little, I'm a little dry, as you might imagine. Thanks, man. I don't know what I did with that. All right, here we go. Quarrels. Quarrels and strife come from ungodly desires. Quarrels and strife come from ungodly desires. We have battles that go on within us. I, I wish I didn't. I wish I just was this perfect Christian, but there's stuff that I, that's in me that isn't great. And we want things, good and bad, but the issue is within us. And James is going, you're fighting, you're quarreling, you've got all these conflicts, you're starting wars. It's because of the stuff that's in you. We have to look at ourselves. Do you have quarrels in your life? Do you have strife in your life? Do you have problems? Do you have conflicts? I suggest that the first place we need to look is within. Am I the drama? Am I the problem? That's kind of, that's kind of what you have to look. Is this, could it possibly be me? It couldn't be me. It's got to be that guy because it can't possibly be my fault. James is going, eh, it's you. It's you. Now, look, I'm not saying everything that's going wrong, every conflict in your life is, be, is your fault, but we have to be honest about it. Sometimes we're the common denominator. If you want to fix relationships, we've got to look at ourselves. And James is saying we've got to look at our own desires. 
We've got to look at our own desires. Ask yourself, do my desires come from God? Now, you might have great desires, but they might not be from God. Are you putting the people around you before yourself? Do you often find yourself in conflict because you're always trying to get what you want? You're number one. I'm always looking out for me. I make sure I get mine, then we'll see about everybody else. This is what James is talking about, the desires of your heart. Is it your desire to be patient and humble, peace-loving and giving? Do you seek to understand? In conversations, are you listening to understand the person and relate and empathize with them? Or are you seeking to kill their point, to counterpoint? Are you seeking, are you just listening going, oh, I got a, I got a one-up here. Oh, yeah, well, you did that, but uh, ask a follow-up question. What do you mean when you said this? Are you listening to understand? That's like relationship one-on-one. Seek to understand. Probably the best advice I ever got from anyone is asking, seeking to understand the person. Are you slow to anger? Do you love others as you love yourself? Do you give people the grace that you want them to show you? And more importantly, do you give people the grace that Jesus has shown you? If not, then maybe you've got some work to do. And the truth is we all do. It shall be our goal to be like Jesus, to walk like him, to treat people like him, but we all fall short. Thankfully, God gives grace. It's really unbelievable, his love and his grace and his kindness. You know, I've read that word kindness about a hundred times, maybe more throughout my life in the Bible, but just recently, man, that's been so good to me. I don't know why I didn't realize he was kind, but he is. He is kind. He picks us up. He, when, we're, when we're making mistakes, he comes alongside like, hey, just like a, a loving father would come alongside. One of my kids is making a mistake. I go, hey, buddy, I see what you're doing. Let's, let's try it this way. That's what the father is like. And so often we hear him in different voices that are just really coming from ourselves. I love his grace. I love his kindness. So we want to be Jesus. We want the Jesus in us to be evident to other people. We want our lives to be a witness to who he is. So we must start with ourselves. Now, Liz and I have been married for over 12 years, and I can tell you, you know, we don't have a lot of fights. We, both of us are pretty level-headed and pretty calm, you know, but once in a while, things get a little heated, and, you know, I'm like, okay, I need to walk away. We need to walk. We need to just chill out here. And oftentimes what I'll do is uh, I'll kind of keep it to myself for a little bit, and I'll actually inspect myself. Um, I'll go, okay, what could have I done? What could, have, what could I have done differently here? And so I'll usually come to her, and I'll be like, all right, I- I'm sorry. I probably could have done this better. What could I have done better? What do you think I could have done differently here? And I choose to go humble. Now, not every time. I- I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. I- when I do this, it goes really well. When you choose ultra-humility, it's so disarming. It's so disarming. When you go to someone and just say, what could I have done better? I'm really sorry. What could I have done better here? And they're going, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I guess you could have done. I guess maybe I could have done. And when you approach people, relationships that way, you're going to have a lot less quarrels, a lot less strife. When you approach conflicts in your life, trying to be like Jesus, these things are going to end, end in a healthy way. Number two. Prayer motives matter. Prayer motives matter. Let's go, let's look at verse 2. It's the second half of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. 
And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Yeah, there's not a whole lot I can add to that. Like, that's pretty, <laughs> like some of these need a little more explanation. That's pretty straightforward. All right, this is pretty simple. James is saying the main reasons, there's a couple reasons that God's not answering your prayer. Number one, sometimes you're not even asking God. You don't even ask. You just go about your life, and we go forward, and we just do life, and we never ask him for anything. We never ask him what he wants to do. We never ask him what he has for us. We never ask him for help. We never ask him for healing. We never ask him for the things that he says we should be asking for. And number two, he says, your heart is not in the right place. Your motives are wrong. Your desires are not God's desires. Now, look, sometimes God doesn't answer because it's timing. It's not time yet. I'm always blown away by how much longer God's timing is than mine. It's like much, much longer, as if he sees everything at once or something. But oftentimes, we're not asking, or probably most often, our heart is not in the right place. It's about asking him. Imagine how powerful your prayers could be if the desires in your heart were put there by God, if the things you were praying for were actually put there by God himself. This is what he's asking for. This is what he's looking for. He says, I will give you the desires of your heart, but I want to put them there first. The first step that we have to do is giving ourselves to the Lord. We have to lay down our desires. We have to say, Father, I want a bunch of stuff. Some of it's good. Some of it's bad. I don't know. But Lord, I give you my desires. I give you the things that I want. Give me your heart. And when you do that, you start to walk with the Lord. You start to walk with him and do those things that he's called you to. And your prayers become much powerful because what he really wants is uh, he wants to give you the desires that he has and then ask you to prayerfully consider them, pray into them, believe into them, walk with them, and watch him come to pass. God will do much bigger things through you when you partner with him. When you partner with God, he will do much bigger things than you could have ever done on your, by yourself. And sometimes he gives you, gives you desires that are so big that it's impossible to do them without him. When you join and partner with God, the God of all the universe, all creation, this is what he wants. He wants to partner with you. I don't know why that's the way. When I was a kid, I was just like, well, God just makes everything move around. No, 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 no. He wants to partner. He wants to walk with us. He wants to be a father to us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to put his desires in our hearts. He wants you to ask, believe, and have faith and do great things. He's saying, let's do this together. Let's do this together. His ways are higher than our ways. His plans will always be better and bigger than our plans. Let's walk in sync with what God has for us. Let's let our motives change that we want the things that he wants and not the things that we're striving and fighting for. What could God do through us with his desires? If we put ourselves aside and ask him for what he wants, what could he do through us? Be amazing. Be amazing. So motives matter. Prayer motives matter. Number three, serve God, leave the world. Serve God, leave the world. This is verse four through 10. 
You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with, against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? But he gives us more grace. He gives us more grace. Thank you, Lord. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to joy and your joy... Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. There's a lot in there, but what it's really saying is serve God, leave the world. And the world being defined as the things that are not of God, the things that really this world longs for, the, the pleasures of the world, the, the, uh, the joys of this world are not and oftentimes not what God has for us. I have this, um, I have this Bible handbook I don't even know if I mentioned this to you, Mom, um, but uh, you found, she found this, this uh, Haley's Bible handbook that uh, was my dad's uh, in the basement and, and gave it to my wife, gave it to me, and this thing's been amazing. It's from the 70s, um, but it's one of the ways that I study the Bible, and um, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing book, and I would encourage you, I would encourage you uh, to pick up something like this. It's called Haley's Bible Handbook, but it's got a passage here from James 4. It's great at giving context. Context, when you're reading the Bible, trying to understand it, context is so important. But Haley's Bible Handbook does a great job. I'm going to read this to you. This is an expansion of Jesus' statement from a person that a person cannot serve God and the riches of this world, similar to John's warning against loving the world. Such passages suggest the need for unceasing self-examination, for having to live in the world and worldly things being necessary to our daily sustenance. It requires great watchfulness to keep our affection above the borderline. We need to constantly draw near to God, cleanse our hands, purify our hearts, and to humble ourselves before him. We can't serve God and love the things of this world. Now, I think we all know that, and I think that's probably what most people are trying to do. The thing that I've noticed about trying to serve God and not love the world is that you oftentimes, you're serving God, and then, but you don't pay super close attention, and you start to sort of drift slowly away. Most people aren't walking around life like, all right, God, never, I'm not doing that anymore. Forget you. I'm going this way. Most of the time, it's like a slow drift, and at one point, you look up, you're like, oh, God's way over there, and I am way over here. And this is what he's talking about here. You have got, we've got to look constantly, self-examination. Lord, what am I doing? Am I doing what you want? Am I loving the things of this world, or am I loving the things that you have for me? James is saying, this world is full of things against God, and when you choose those things over God, you actually align yourself with the world and ultimately against God. So it's not just that you drift away but you actually begin to oppose God if you're not careful. Jesus lived a life that was perfect, yet he lived in this world. How? We see again and again in the scriptures that he went, spent time praying. He spent time with the Father. And he submitted himself. He humbled himself. So if you're like me and you're not perfect, there's good news. James says, there is grace. 
God's grace is fresh. He opposes the proud and shows favor to the humble. So what do we do when we find ourselves in this place? Repent. Humble yourself. God, forgive me. God, help me. To, okay, what do I need to change? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need accountability from? What do you want from me? If you come in humble, just like with your spouse or your friend or your boss, that relationship's going to be built. You come the same way before the Father, before God. God, forgive me. What do, what do you want from me? He is quick to help and even says the devil will run from you. So serve God. Leave the world. Number four, do not speak negative words of judgment over others. Do not speak negative words of judgment over others. Verse 11 and 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. For anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them and speaks against, uh, sorry, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There was but one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So again, this is real direct. James is going, what are you doing? That's not your job. How many times do I got to tell you guys, stop judging your neighbor? Stop judging your neighbor. You're speaking slander. Slander is actually false Witness against someone. This is the definition of slander. Making a, a, making a false spoken statement against someone damaging their reputation. These are people in the church. James is going, you guys are killing me. What are you doing? Don't slander one another. Some translations say don't speak evil of one another. When you slander someone, you judge them. And Jesus commanded, love him and love people. That's what we believe in this church. That's our goal in this church, to love God, to love people. And when we speak evil of others, we break that command. I want to take this a step further. Jesus gives us an example. We are to speak life and encouragement. Life and encouragement. Your job as a Christian is to speak life and encouragement to the people that come around you. Life and encouragement, not death and condemnation. This is back to the power of the tongue. We talked about this in previous chapters. It is our job to speak life to people. Not only should we not be speaking negatively, but we've got to go further. When we speak negative over people, man, this is powerful. This is super powerful. Your words can be like daggers to people. And they actually act like sentences. Uh, your words can hang over people, hang over their heads like a sentence for a judge, from a judge. They walk around, you say, man, you're a loser. You've always been a loser. And those words hang over their heads like a judge sentencing them. And they creep down into their hearts. And they walk around with these words over their heads. And the enemy comes along and goes, see, I told you you're a loser. And now they see it too. Our words are powerful. But when we speak words of life and encouragement, man, when I'm gone, I want people to miss my encouragement. I'm gone, I want people to be like, man, I needed an encouraging word. Nick was the guy I went to. I want my life to spill out encouragement and love and life to the people around me. That's how we should be living our lives. I'm going way further. Jesus said, don't judge, don't, don't lie about people. We need to go farther. Jesus spoke encouragement everywhere he went. 
He spoke life everywhere he went. When we speak these words, we actually, this is the scary thing, is when you speak negative words to, to, the, to people, you actually agree with what the devil says about them. You're aligning yourself with the enemy of our souls who's out to kill, steal, and destroy. So we, I, we have to be careful. None of us are perfect, but man, when you're not, this is a great place to practice humbling yourself. Say, I'm so sorry. That's not really not what I think about you. If you can't find something nice, ask the Lord. He'll show you. Because God sees in them things that, that we can't. So be careful of your words. Be careful. The tongue is so powerful. Our words are so powerful. So that was number four. Don't speak negative words of judgment. Number five. Follow God's will for your life. It's verse uh, 13 uh, through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there, carry on business, make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a, vis- uh, you are a mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes And such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Follow God's will for your life. You know, honestly, we're out here, most of us, and just kind of going along, like, "Ah, I guess I'll do this. And yeah, maybe I'll move down south, and it's warmer down there, and there's less taxes, or maybe we'll go over this, or maybe we'll start this business there, or do that over here. And we never consider what God has for us. And those desires... Kind of, this is kind of coming back to the first point is those desires aren't necessarily bad, not necessarily bad things. I want to move where it's warmer. I I would like less taxes. I would like, you know, whatever it might be. But what we're looking for is God's desires. We're looking for God's desires. What does He have for us? He's saying, we, we, we should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or we will do that. Check and see what God has for you. When we align ourselves with the desires that God has for us, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I never thought I'd end up here more so. In fact, in fact, I said, I'm never moving to Warsaw. I grew up in Buffalo. Uh, I'm a suburb guy. You know, the guys here, they kind of make fun of me sometimes. They call me uh, city, city boy. I can still start fires, so. but I'm not really a city boy. I'm a, I'm a suburb boy. And uh, I actually went on a missions trip with this church. It was a fluke. It was literally, I was with uh, uh, Pastor Chris's other son, John, or sorry, uh, Jeremy, and we were out to dinner, and he told me he was going to Africa, and I said, can I come? It's a weird thing to say to someone. Like, we're not five. Like, we're like, well, can I come? Like little kids, you just invite yourself to people's house all the time. Like, like I was like 23 or something. And I remember the words coming out of my mouth because I never wanted to go on a mission trip. Like literally, I went to Bible school, all right? I was trying to get through Bible school. Like it was like missions week. I was like, not today, Lord, not today. Anywhere but the mission field. I had a fear of God's wasn't good. A whole other subject. He is good, and he has good things for you. So anyway, I go. I saw these words come out. He's like, oh, I'll talk to my dad. 
And I kind of forgot about it. And then Pastor Chris calls me. He says, yeah, I feel like you should be on this trip. So I go on this trip. And we're in Africa. And um, it, it was a crazy trip. We built a building in like a week. It was like a, there was like 10 a pers- a strong A-type personality guys all fighting all week. It was really fun to watch. Uh, all these guys who used to run in their own crews are all trying to work together. It was, it was great. Um, but in that trip, I, I just was like, God, I don't know what you have for me. So whatever you want, I'm laying it all down. I will do anything. I will even move to Warsaw. I don't know why I picked that. I think because it's more country, I have to leave my comfortable. This really was, it was leaving a lot of comfort. I didn't want to leave my comfortable house and my dog and my, you know, whatever. And I was like, well, that would be hard because that's like, it's just like everything would be new. I don't want to do that. I was like, I'd even go there. And then slowly but surely, God was like, hey, I really want you to go there. And I was like, okay. And I started slowly. I just really was like, okay, I don't want to, but yes. And the next time, I don't want to, but yes. And I watched as I said yes, as I laid my desires down, God changed my heart. And by the time I moved here, I was so excited. I was so excited. I still needed a little push. I remember coming to Pastor Chris's office. He's like, when are you moving? I was like, I don't know. He's like, you're moving this week. I was like, I don't think I'm ready. He's like, I don't have a place to live. He's like, you can stay at my house. I don't have a job. I'll get you a job. You're moving this week. I was like, all right, fine. So I did a little push at the end. Thanks for that. But the truth is, when I moved here, I was excited. And God has done so much in my life. I have businesses now in this town. I'm part of this church. This has been amazing. God has done amazing things in my life. Had I followed my own desires, ah, man, I'd have no, I have no idea where I'd be. So I want to encourage you. Seek God's desires. So it says, the word says, if the Lord wills, we should do this or we should do that. And that word will, I have this great app. I don't know if you guys use any uh, Bible help apps. It's called Touch Bible. It's the best. It has all of the words, definitions from the Greek and the Hebrew, so you can actually see what the words mean. So much context. called Touch Bible. It's the best. Go ahead and get it. Um, but I looked up the word will, like, okay, God's will. What does that actually mean, will? And it means to will. That's the first definition, to will. It's pretty simple. Um, but I'm going to read the rest of it to you. It says, to will, to have in mind, to intend, to be resolved, to be determined, to purpose, to desire, to wish, to love, to like to do a thing and be fond of, to take delight in and have pleasure. God has these things for us because he's excited about us doing them. He has an amazing plan for your life. His desires for you are far better than your desires. And then he's, he delights in giving them to you. God says, this is my will. It's good for you, and you're going to like it. And it's not like me saying to my kids, like, hey, do the dishes. You're going to like it. He's coming along and saying, no, i got awesome things for you, and you're going to like doing it. Actually enjoying the thing that God has for you. If that isn't sure to you, you go find Pastor Chris. You go find Pastor John. You ask them. These guys have given up a lot. Being a pastor is not easy. Being a pastor is not easy. You ask them, do you regret it? Do you regret choosing Jesus again and again? And they're going to tell you, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade it. 
God's will is good for us. And we need to, we need to, we need to circle around um, and hear what he has for us. We're going back to that first point, submitting our desires to God. God's will is good, and he has good things for us. He wants to partner with us, but we have to lay our own things down. The way we treat people, the way we speak to people, the things we want, the things we pray for, how we pray for them. God wants to do great things with us, and I want to be part of that. If you look at what all these things that James is talking about, it comes down to one thing, your heart. It comes down to your heart. You got strife and quarrels, fights in your life? What are the desires of your heart? Prayer's not working? Check the motives of your heart. You loving the things of this world too much? Check your heart. You're speaking negatively, judging others? Check your heart. You're having a hard time seeking God's will for your life? Check your heart. Is your heart in the right place? Is your heart in the right place? Are you willing to let go of your desires and let God put his desires there? Are you willing to let go of the... Sometimes it's the hurts. Look, life is hard. We've all been through difficult things. Sometimes there are blockages between us and God. It's the hurts that we have felt, the things we've experienced. Are you willing to let those things go? Are you willing to open up and let him in? To bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring truth. Do you let God in? Is your heart soft? Is your heart hard? This morning, I want to give you an opportunity just to come up. And uh, we're not going to have necessarily people praying up here, but if you just want to come up and say, God, I'm laying down my desires. I'm laying down my desires. I want the things that you have for me, Lord. I'm laying down what I want. Lord, change my heart. Or maybe you just need him to come and touch your heart. Look, altar call is an altar call. Like he, it's open. If you want something, come and get it. You know, if you're, if you're the thing you've been praying for, hoping for, doesn't line up exactly what I said, I don't care. God, I want people to come up here and get closer to the Lord. So let's pray, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity just to come up here. You can stand. You can kneel. Um, uh, you can sit. You can do whatever you like. Uh, but we're going to do that. And um, just ask, just give yourself to the Lord. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, that you speak to us, Lord, that you don't leave us alone, that you continue to follow after us. Lord, even when we drift, and even when we take a sharp turn away from you, Lord, thank you for your grace, that it is new every morning, that your mercy, your mercy is new and waiting for us every moment of every day. Lord, forgive us for wanting our own way, for doing our own thing. For the desires we have, Lord, we just we lay them down. Right now, Father, we lay the desires of our heart down. And Lord, we ask that you put your desires there. God, change us. Make us more like you. Help us not to fear the change, but to be bold and courageous to follow you. We choose you, Jesus. Change us. Change us, Jesus. We need you. So if you'd like to come up, you're welcome. 
I'm just gonna, we're just going to have a, a general open area up here. If you'd like to come, just spend some, a few minutes with the Lord. You're welcome to do that. If you want to take, if you need to take off, that's great. Please take any conversations uh, out to the fore. But um, may God be with you all this week. I hope you guys have the best Thanksgiving. Uh, may the Lord protect you as you travel and as your family travels, that you would have a joy uh, in your gatherings this week, that he would bless you and your family, that you would be a blessing and a light and a life of encouragement to the people you come in contact with. Lord, let it be. Be with us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.